Every crisis carries an obligation. An obligation to put principles into practice, an obligation to put your people and your community first. How do we lead ethically in times of crisis? How do we meet the needs of our customers while safeguarding the health of our colleagues and our community? The Butler University Lacey School of Business presents its new podcast channel and a three-part ethics series sponsored by Old National Bank. Join us in conversations with top business leaders as they explore how COVID-19 has affected the way they work and the communities they serve. Welcome to the Lacey School of Business Ethics Series, presented by Old National Bank. I'm Hilary Buttrick, Associate Professor of Business Law at Butler University's Lacey School of Business. In today's podcast, we're having a conversation about ethical leadership in times of crisis as we find ourselves in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. My guest today is Jim Ryan, Chairman and CEO of Old National Bank. Jim, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to uh, do this, even if it is remotely. Yes, much appreciated for participating via, via Zoom call as we do this podcast. Um, I want to start with a discussion of Old National Bank and its relationship with Ethisphere. Ethisphere has named Old National Bank as one of the world's most ethical companies for many years. What are your company's core ethical principles and what do you think sets Old National Bank apart from others in the realm of ethics? You know, uh, it's really easy to complicate ethics like it's this uh, discussion inside a classroom, right? And, and no offense to uh, our professors out there, um, but, you know, really it boils down at Old National for doing the right thing every single time. And, you know, interestingly enough, as we said back in today's crisis, uh, and it actually really enhances your ability to move very quickly um, if you always have that lens, what's the right thing to do, whether it's we're talking about a team member, we're talking about a client, we're talking about our communities, what's the right thing to do um, every single time? And, and that filter and that lens that we put all of our decisions through actually allows us to move very quickly uh, through an event like COVID-19. Um, you know, for Old National, uh, so we're starting our 186th year in business. And um, that longevity also, I think, is a good lens for us to filter through, um, you know, all of the decisions we make in our company, the values that we have in our company, the culture we've created in our company. I, I think the most important thing as somebody thinks about uh, ethics inside a company is really starting with the right culture, uh, really starts with a tone at the top. Um, that's incredibly important. If you don't have the culture right, let's face it, we can go back and look at mission, vision, values for all sorts of corporations. We can look at corporations that ultimately failed over ethical lapses. We can look at corporations that you think of very highly today. And I bet you our mission, vision, values are not that far apart. But ultimately, I think what, what separates us um, from, from many other folks is the culture and the tone we create at the top. You know, it's simple things. You know, we start um, any meeting of, of any kind of size with an ethical message. Every single board meeting um, that we have in our company is started with an ethical message. Every single staff meeting is started with an ethical message. And if you start, is, is that the basis? And, and we talk about ethics in this, again, not in this academic sense of what ethics means. It's in the practical sense of what ethics means. And sometimes um, decisions are hard, right? I mean, decisions you have to make every day can be difficult and challenging. But if you talk about it, make it tangible, um, I think it makes it easier to start. So I would just say, you know, getting the culture right is so much more important 
um, than words on a piece of paper or um, things on, on the wall. Um, it's just, it's, it's doing the right thing every single day. Mm -hmm. And those core ethical principles and the workplace culture you reference are so important on uh, sort of the day-to-day -day business as usual kind of activities. I would imagine it becomes even more important uh, in times of crisis. So how can an adherence to those core principles and that workplace culture that Old National has built, how do you think that helps your company in times of crisis? Yeah, you know, uh, great question. Again, I, I go back to culture. Um, and, and if you don't have the right culture, it's hard to have a remote workforce, right? If you don't have the right culture, um, today we're relying on our, our uh, team members to tell us if they have flu-like symptoms, if they have fever. We've provided extra leave in those situations because we don't want them to work. So many times I think everybody feels like it's the right thing to do to come to work even when you're not feeling well. And obviously today's environment, that's not the right thing to do. And that, nor is it normally, but, but people just tend to be, you know, hard workers and want to come to work. But, but so we, we put the right policies in place to encourage people. But again, it's that tone at the top. We're also um, modeling that same behavior. You know, I spent two weeks out of the office uh, working from home as a part of our executive leadership rotation. I have to be in the office um, for these next two weeks. Um, but but so we're also trying to model the right behavior. If we weren't feeling well, we, we didn't come to work. Um, you know, and so I think it's just, it's important to start. If you have the right culture, I think it creates the right tone um, at the top and, and the right tone for the rest of the organization to, to, uh, to do uh, the right thing. Absolutely. And as you referenced, we are in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, and you've talked about some of the operational changes that Old National has had to make with rotating executives in and out. Um, how else has Old National's uh, operations changed during this time period? Yeah, so um, we didn't have a very big um, work from home, uh, you know, remote workforce. And today, um, you know, we have over a thousand team members that are working from home. Uh, a vast majority of our uh, staff positions are working from home. But we do have some critical operations team members who have to conduct their work uh, for, for a variety of reasons in the office. And so we've had to make some decisions, you know, quickly. Um, again, you know, we, we talked about... Um, uh, one of the one of the big challenges we were going to have is uh, this uh, challenge with uh, childcare. Um, we have some uh, critical team members who um, don't didn't have ready access to uh, childcare, so we allowed employees in these critical areas to bring their children to work. Um, and we brought in um, a few of our best and brightest team members to help make sure those children were safe. Uh, they were actually doing their schoolwork. Um, they were. Um, you know, engaged in, in good activities. Um, and so I would have never have thought, and, and most of my team members thought it was a little bit crazy to suggest that we could do this at our office place, but we did it and it's worked just fine. And, you know, for those team members, that's been the difference between, um, you know, having to take time off to work to deal with this. And, and we've given people extra time off to, to deal with day daycare issues and all sorts of, you know, challenges with time uh, needed to, to take care of others. Uh, mostly. And, and so we've, um, you know, we've had to go the extra mile here. But again, if you, if you put that lens on, do the right thing every single time, that decision becomes very quickly uh, an easy decision to make. And so um, there's all sorts of things. You know, we, today, um, I just got out of our staff meeting. We have our entire executive leadership team that meets um, by, via video every single morning. 
Um, that's something we never did before. I mean, I'm talking to my team members more often. In fact, I, I've told our team, you need to be a better manager in today's environment, right? Um, you need to talk to your team more often. You need to reach out to them and see how they're feeling. We've encouraged our relationship managers to reach out to all of their clients on a regular basis and check in with them. What are, what are things they're struggling? What are the things they need? Um, I published a video and posted online um, uh, telling that we were there for them. And if our clients had needs, they should reach out to our call center. But I also posted my personal email and my personal phone number uh, so people can call me directly. And I get a bunch of phone calls with people who need help with something. And so we, we put them, we find them to the right spot. And so, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, it's easy. And I tell our team members this, it's easy sometimes to get focused on all the negative things that are around us. But there's been some positives that come out of this. I think the sense of community is much greater. I think the sense of family is much greater. Um, you know, in, in, in our community, we seem to be rallying together around this crisis. Um, you know, I've talked to more bank CEOs in the last month um, than I've talked to in my entire career. Um, we seem to be communicating more effectively together, even though it is remotely and it's, it's somewhat of a distance. Um, there's just this real sense of community and that we're all in this together. I, I use that phrase all the time. We are in this together. And I think that's really resonated well with our team members. Yeah, and you've talked about being in this together with your coworkers, uh, with other folks in the banking industry. I want to talk a little bit about um, the work that I'm sure you're doing with your clients, in particular with regard to the passage of the CARES Act, with the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. How has your work changed with regard to, to those programs and services that you will be providing to your clients? Yeah, it, it uh, feels like it's all hands on deck uh, kind of situation. And, and we are making decisions very quickly to service that. So the payment protection program opened up um, a little bit more than a week ago. And um, we quickly uh, grew to 6,000 applications. Um, and, and that's a lot of applications for anybody to deal with. Um, and so we've had to have an all hands on deck mentality. And the troops, our team members rally around for these kinds of situations. And so we've got commercial relationship managers helping out clients that are in our community banking segment. We've got community banking people helping process loans in our commercial segment. And so, so really, everybody's trying to rally around to know because, um, you know, banks have been deemed an essential service by the federal government and, and obviously the state of Indiana here. And we, we relish that opportunity to really take care of our communities, take care of our clients, and so um, everybody's really rallied around. People worked all weekend long to process applications. We've processed almost and gotten approvals almost in a billion dollars worth of payment protection program loans. And, and really just over a week's time frame. From the time we took the first application to the time we started funding was, was just, just at a week. And so we know it's important for us to, to be available for our commercial clients to make sure that they have, and our business clients make sure they have the resources that are available to them from the federal government programs. Um, but it's also, um, you know, being there, uh, you know, one thing we did, we uh, gave each one of our branches a, a budget to go off and buy gift cards um, at local businesses uh, to support local businesses. And um, they hand those gift cards out to clients that they come and they can just tell a client's stressed, has an issue, has a challenge. Um, you know, they can just a carte blanche, hand these gift cards out and um, to try to take care of that client. Um, you know, and we've tried to take care of our team members. Uh, we very early on um, put a message out to our team members that if they were personally struggling, um, they should reach out to us, they should reach out to their manager. We have a program that we've had in place for a long, long time called One Wish. 
And one wish is a program where you can nominate yourself or you can nominate a coworker. And if you know if a coworker is struggling or somebody self-identifies as they're struggling with a, with a particular need, um, we have this fund and uh, we make sure that fund has um, got lots of money in it today to make sure if our team members are struggling and they need financial assistance of some way um, that, that we're, uh, we're there to try to help them out as well. You've talked about lots of great ways that you're supporting uh, your employees during this time. And as you've, you've mentioned several times, the importance of workplace culture and setting the tone at the top. I would imagine that that's harder to do in a situation like this where we have social distancing. So how are you able to maintain Old National Bank's very strong workplace culture while we're all separated? Yeah, so I think, um, again, we have uh, many ways that we reach out to uh, our team members, um, video, uh, conference calls, having remote staff meetings. Um, and again, I, I hate to keep harp harping on this, but I think this is maybe the most important point we could talk about today. If you don't have the right culture, whether you're remote workforce, you're inside a building, if you don't have that right tone at the top, the rest of this makes it very, very difficult um, to make sure that everybody's trying to do the right things at the right time every single day. And so um, the remote workforce aspect has created some, some challenges, but it's also created some opportunities for people too. And um, I think both those things are important uh, to remember that the culture ultimately will trump, uh, it'll trump our strategy, it'll trump, um, you know, uh, any kind of policies in place we put out there. Um, you know, you can't stop people from doing bad things. People want to do the right thing um, because that's what the expectation is. And, and I, give, I give a lot of credit to our former CEO, you know, uh, Bob Jones very well. Uh, Bob Jones, um, well, well, we um, had, a, had a, a strong foundation to build off of this. It was really Bob Jones' vision um, to make this in the forefront of everything we do each day. Um, it was his idea to start all of our corporate meetings with a ethics message. It was his idea um, to apply to Ethisphere originally um, to try to be, you know, one of the world's most ethical companies. And, and, you know, that designation is not a designation that comes very easily. It's a designation which requires a lot of work. We're a very small company um, on that list, and we don't have as many resources um, as, as some others. Um, but, um, you know, it, it makes us get better every single year. It makes us, you know, strive to, to want to be better because we see what um, some of the best of the best are doing in this particular space. You know, we have a chief ethics officer who actually reports directly to our board of directors, right? So uh, she has independence. Um, Joan Kissel uh, is our chief ethics officer. She has independence from me and, and reports directly to our board. So, you know, there's opportunities for people to go to her. We have ethics hotlines. Um, that people can call in um, if they have uh, ethical dilemmas or challenges. We have um, cultural champions who really cult champion all of our values, but in particular, as you know, ethics is one of our, one of our main values and, and really champion this idea of, of ethical uh, behavior and doing the right thing. Um, we have, um, we have a, a, a program called Speak Up, and Speak Up covers a lot of areas, but if you see something uh, we want you to speak up. We encourage you to speak up. It's expected for you to speak up. It's not expected for you to hide. It's not expected for you not to, to talk to talk about these programs. It's expected for you. Um, and so we encourage people to speak up. Um, and, and whether that's ethical behavior 
whether it's you know workplace behavior that's not appropriate it's, it covers all of those things but but we want really people to to talk with us and and to recognize um, if things aren't going right do you think that that ethical infrastructure that you have built um, has that become more or less relevant to you in the face of this crisis? Oh, it's it, the ethical uh, culture is more relevant today. Um, and um, it's not, it never, I mean, it's always relevant, right? But I think um, because of the work from home, because of the, the um, maybe feeling of fear and isolation, um, absolutely, it's an important part of our, um, it's, a, it's an important part of how we continue to conduct business, right? Um, we've had to make decisions really fast and we've made some decisions um, to process these PPP applications um, that if, if in an ideal world, if we didn't have this deluge of volume, we, we may have may think about things a little bit differently where we have, you know, all sorts of people not in these specialty segments to approve these applications, but we've had to do this because it's the right thing to do for our clients. It's the right thing to do for our communities. Um, and so, um, but, but we can do that because we have this strong culture and this strong expectation about doing the right thing. I want to shift now and talk a little bit about the uh, the lessons that you have learned as a leader through this. Um, you've been with Old National for many years. You are relatively new to the role of CEO and uh, chairman. I believe you took over in January. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So um, nothing like getting thrown into the deep end. Um, what has been the hardest part of being a leader now and what has been the best part of being a leader now? Well, I think the hard part is, um, and, and this would be true whether it's COVID-19 or not, but this just amplifies uh, the decisions you make uh, for the team. Um, you know, are they the right decisions? Uh, there's self-doubt that comes into play. Um, you know, one of the things um, we have um, allowed uh, borrowers to come to us and ask for um, deferments of principal and interest on their, on their loans. And these are auto loans and, uh, you know, residential mortgage loans and commercial loans. And today we have more than a billion dollars of those loans that we've allowed clients to defer payments on. And that's a big, big step, right? We made that, but that, that's the right thing to do um, at this kind of environment. It's a very unusual. We've never seen the circumstances where you do that. So, so I feel accountable for that decision, right? But I know it's the right thing to do for our clients and it's the right thing to do ultimately, I think for us. And so, you know, you always have self-doubt about, you know, these decisions you're making um, that have big, big impacts on your company and your team members. Um, and so I think, I think that's the hardest thing about, um, you know, having the, the CEO spot in today's environment is, is all these decisions you're having to make um, uh, in, in imperfect uh, timing, right? You have to make these decisions relatively quickly. Um, are they the right things to do? But the reality is, is I have such a strong set of leaders around me. Um, and uh, literally, um, we have a daily team meeting with all of our executive leaders. And we talk about all these decisions. We talk about the right things to do um, for our clients and the right things to do for our team members and our communities. And, and so we debate these issues and we talk about them. And, and um, so it's just really gratifying that I think the fact that we have this strong set of leaders around me, um, I know we're going to get to the right decision. Um, you know, ultimately, I feel accountable for every single decision we make in our company. Um, but uh, but I, I know that it's been through a filter of a really strong set of leaders around me. 
And what have you learned uh, through this experience about being a leader? Are there things that you've learned about yourself that uh, are qualities that have come out that you didn't know you had? <laughs> well, that's a good question. You know, um, I always knew communication was key, um, but um, I've been sending out daily emails for more than a month now. Um, I think it was, uh, in fact, I think it was late February. We started sending out daily emails to our team members. And um, that little act of sending out a daily email has given people, we, we've, I wanted to become the steady place in our team members' lives. I wanted to be that place they knew that there was some certainty at it. There was the strong foundation that if, if they came into work or if they were working remotely, this was that place in their life that um, was less, um, you know, there was less chaos going on, right? And so I've been sending out daily emails, just communicating whatever we need to know, um, whatever our team members need to know. And sometimes the updates are, are um, uh, a lot of detail and sometimes they're more inspirational. And, I, and, and I've gotten so much great feedback from our team members um, for sending out those daily emails. And every day I get a handful of responses. Um, we've also started including in client feedback. I think the really amazing thing, um, people I think are more self-reflective today. And so I get a lot of emails from clients directly and some indirectly, you know, that, that pass through other parts of our company. And we've been sharing some of those client feedbacks in those daily emails. And I think that's also been a source of inspiration for our team members. So I always knew communication was important and we try to go above and beyond and we communicate via videos, we communicate via um, audio files, we communicate via written communication. We try all forms of communication. We've had, we have a dedicated site um, on our, on, on Yammer and Yammer is kind of like Facebook at the workplace. And um, people talk about their fears and talk about their hopes and talk about their opportunities. And so just trying to get people to communicate and share their feelings um, and, and what things we can do to help them and help their clients, I think is really important. Um, so I, I think it just reinforced some of the things I already knew, um, that communication and, and having a leader um, at, at the top um, is important. Um, you know, somebody that the, the, the decision needs to stop somewhere. And um, I think uh, having, um, uh, being that person today, I think has is, is been important for our team. So, this experience has changed the way we work. It changes the way we interact with clients. It changes the way we interact with each other. What do you think will be the lasting impact of this experience on the workplace? Are there things that we uh, will take from this that we will carry forward when life returns to normal, whatever that looks like? Yeah, normal is really interesting, right? Um, I do think um, there are things that are going to be better and there are things that are going to be worse that are going to be long lasting. Um, if you think about this, it's, it's, um, it's a, a lot like what the changes that were made after 9-11. Um, you know, we, the, the, we made societal changes after 9-11, um, some for the good and some for the, some for the bad, right? Um, I, think, uh, I think work from home, you know, more remote workforce uh, will probably live a lot longer um, you know, and, and, uh, we'll, we'll create some, some distance between you and your coworkers and, and you have to figure out how to work around that and work differently, um, on a permanent basis. Um, I, I worry that, um, you know, I, I'm just a big believer that relationships matter. And, and I think it's so hard sometimes 
um, when you only know people over the phone and it's hard to build those relationships when you don't have those water cooler times. So, so how do we create those virtual water coolers, right? How do we create those virtual uh, run-ins to each other at the coffee pot? Um, so I think we'll have to think through those things. Um, I worry that, you know, um, are we going to go back to shaking hands on a regular basis? Are we going to go back to giving each other a hug when we need, a, when, need when we need a hug from one another? Um, I worry about that. I, I think that's, um, that's going to change things. And I think that's going to make it more difficult to continue to build those relationships. Um, I think, um, you know, we, we have a lot of physical distribution being a bank, right? So we have a couple hundred locations across our footprint. And I think um, we've been obviously talking to our clients about all the ways they can do business remotely. And, um, you know, they can cash checks, they can open accounts, they can get loans, all from their, their desktop. And, and I think that will be a permanent change. I think people will try to look for more ways to conduct transactions electronically. People that were maybe um, resistant to that in the past today are doing at much greater frequency. And so that has a, you know, if you think about a, a, a company that has all this office space for workers, maybe they don't have as many workers return back to their office space permanently, or maybe the space is configured differently. You think about, um, you know, in our situation, uh, you know, bank branches that, so we have all these branches, you know, that transaction volume probably will never return back to the same as it has been. And so we have all these people that work in a branch, they have all this physical space. And so how do we deal with that as a, as a, a industry and, and other retailers have the same kinds of challenges, right? Um, do people fundamentally not go back to malls? Do they not go back to retailers in the same kind of way? We already started to see some some behavioral changes already in the, those spaces. And I think this just kind of continues to add it. So I think there'll be some permanent long lasting changes. What I really hope is this sense of community, um, the sense that we're all in this together, you know, is, a, is something that lives past um, whenever COVID-19 is not, not a challenge for us as a society. I really hope this um, ignition as a family. Um, so I happen to have a college age daughter who's home um, now and I have a high schooler and, you know, we have meals at the dinner table every single night together. And I got to tell you, that was not a part of our regular routine, obviously, because our college daughter was away, but also just because we were all busy with, with certain activities after work and life. And so I really hope that at least at some level, you know, that uh, all of us, our family sitting around the dinner table um, last um, a lot longer than, than maybe we would otherwise. Well, let's hope we can uh, hang on to that spirit of connection with our families. And I certainly look forward to being able to see you in person again, as opposed to virtually. Uh, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today, Jim. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are very busy, as are all of the folks at Old National Bank. We wish you the best. We wish the best to your family and to all of your colleagues at Old National. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Hill. I really appreciate the opportunity. And I'm just so proud to be associated with uh, Butler University. So proud to be associated with the Lacey School of Business and, and all the great work that you're doing, not only in ethics, but, but just across our community and, and uh, with the uh, students that go there. And so just thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this podcast today. And we wish you the best of success with future podcasts. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Lacey School of Business Ethics Series, made possible through the generous support of Old National Bank. This podcast has been a production of Butler University's Lacey School of Business. A very special thank you to Bram Shuckles and Kelly Schmidt 
of the Butler Arts and Events Center for their production assistance. Thanks for listening. <laughs>